I had thoughts and ways of thinking about church and ministry that uh, I wish I would have just not had. I wish I could go back and, you know, if I could have prepped myself a little better. You're listening to an ongoing discussion on life, leadership, and ministry. This is the Brian Sams Podcast. Your church's graphics should be excellent without being expensive. Church Media HQ is a membership that gives you access to awesome church graphics and more with pricing options that fit any budget. You can view sample graphics and learn more at churchmediahq.com, plus get 25% off any membership for up to a full year with the promo code BRIAN. Visit churchmediahq.com today to get started. That's churchmediahq.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Brian Sams Podcast. It's 2022. It is up and running. And we are just using 2022, Aaron, to be a lot more positive. Oh, yes. Yeah. I'm getting in touch with my... Joe Osteen self this year. Oh, you can do the hair too? Uh, man, I wish I could. <laughs> I just couldn't justify, no doubt, the amount of money spent on hair products. Yeah, you'd have it's, to it'd be a whole other budget item. I've got know, a teenage sure. daughter, so you know, pretty much my hair product um, <laughs> budget is, is extenuated. But <laughs> in all seriousness, you know, I, I've, I've spent some time... You know, uh, engaging certain conflicting type uh, discussions. And, you know, I just decided that 2022 is going to be my year to try to use the podcast and other venues as primarily promoting healthy, positive, encouraging thoughts and practices. And so we're, we're generating some topics that are... Um, toward that end. And so we've talked about church revitalization. We've talked about mental health, uh, evangelistic outreaches. Today, uh, I'm going to get a little introspective, Chan. I'm going, to, I'm going to flesh out some of my innermost feelings. And, and I want to share a session today called, What Would I Say to Myself Six Years Ago? Yeah, six years ago. That's a long time, wasn't it? Well, six years ago, that would have been, you know, uh, January of 2016. Mm-hmm. I was in my last semester teaching at uh, West Coast Baptist College in Lancaster, California. I had already uh, made the, had the discussion with pastor and was on my way toward becoming a lead pastor. And so, obviously... During that season, I was prepping, planning, looking. Of course, six months later, I'm going to be the senior pastor at, at, at then Harvest Baptist Church in Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. That grand and great opportunity uh, in the ghetto of inner city Jacksonville. <laughs> uh, and, you know, I had, I had ways of thinking as a uh, really an assistant pastor, had never been a senior pastor before. I was uh, mid thirties, mm-hmm. and I had thoughts and ways of thinking about church and ministry that uh, I wish I would have just not had. I wish I could go back and you know if I could have prepped myself a little better. And I think the reason this is such an important episode or topic is because I believe probably every young man that is an assistant that's never pastor that's out there twenty eight to thirty five years old. And you are 
about to adventure out to this idealistic world where you are going to be the next megachurch pastor, uh, I think we need to hear some rethinking on how we should think going into our first church. That sounds like another podcast episode to me. Like, uh, we can title it something like, Going from the Mindset of an Assistant to a Senior. Yeah, yeah, well, let's do it. Maybe we'll just just follow up with this one, because although some of my roles were senior-level administration roles, I was, in fact, up till 2016, I was a a second man Mm -hmm. uh, in the truest sense of the form. I was never the president of the college. I was never the pastor of the church. Um, I, even the camp I worked at and all the churches I served in, it was, I was in a subservient role. And so this was the first real lead role, uh, where I am the leader of the organization and I was the leader of the church and that, that brought all kinds of relevant challenges. And so to the guys who will take their first churches in 2022, here are 10 pieces of advice for you. All right, you've got 10 pieces right here. Let's start off with number one. I think you got, you've got an idealistic thought here, and this is something that you don't want to think about. The statement is, everyone is going to like you. Right. Yeah, so I would read, you know, the first principle would be reject the idea that everyone is going to like you. Mm-hmm. You, uh, especially in a younger role, in an assistant role, you don't see everything there is to see, you don't know everything there is to know, and you don't do everything that needs to be done, and you don't bear everything that needs to be born. So here you are. You're mm-hmm. serving, you're ministering, and because you're young and because you don't bear the ultimate responsibility of everything that is happening, you can tend to be light more. Um when the buck doesn't stop here, when the responsibility doesn't ultimately fall on you, when you can always... Uh, you can always say, oh, pastor made that decision. Yeah, yeah, you can always say, yeah, I'm just, you know, this was the decision that was made, and, mm-hmm. and this is how we're going to carry this out. And so they'll just kind of glance right past you. And uh, and so, you know, in addition to that, for me at least, I was a traveling speaker. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I lived on nice love offerings, nice hotels, nice dinners, and all kinds of other nice things that happened. And there were a number of challenges with it, and there were another, another, a number of <coughs> weird stories. But in essence, when I was at a church, when I was there for whatever reason, it was, it was, there was a status, there was a elevated status mm-hmm. that oftentimes comes with that. Not saying that people want it. I didn't want it. I didn't ask for it. I didn't expect it. But it was often the way it, that it happened. Yeah. So when you come in and you're the pastor, everybody's not going to like you, period, point, end of the story. In fact, H.B. Uh, Charles, just yesterday, and we'll share this, uh, remind me to share this actual post from social media yesterday, he quoted Michael Cat, Cott, or Cat, C-A-T-T, I think he used to pastor up in uh, Georgia, uh, and he said, he said something very similar to this, not everybody's going to like you, not everything's going to go easy. of ministry is done in hard places. Mm -hmm. Suck it up, preach the gospel, obey God, and don't worry about the rest. Mm -hmm. And if you live on man's approval, you die by man's approval. And there's no such thing as a guy who's going to become a pastor who is not going to get his ever-living butt kicked in the ministry by people he loves, 
people he doesn't love, people he thinks are with him. Mm -hmm. And even in that question and answer time, I'll never forget, you weren't there yet, that question and answer time the night before I became the pastor at Harvest, I remember one guy raised his hand, his name was John Roth, and uh, John raised his hand and said, well, pastor, you've already got my vote, I'm on your team but I want to ask you this question. Well, he was on my team for about three weeks. Yeah. Uh, and so, uh, funny story, actually. Uh, his his wife uh, was the piano player at the time. Yeah. And, yeah. and um, I had to somehow break the news that you were coming. And for those of you that don't know, Aaron is a very gifted uh, and trained piano player. And, and of course, I knew coming in that you were going to be the piano player of the church that was that was that was not not novel to me but it was certainly novel to everybody that was existing mm -hmm. with the way they had lived and um i remember the first night you came i said to you hey tomorrow morning i want you to play the offertory at that time <laughs> pre-covid we were doing the offertory and you did some arrangement of wonderful grace of jesus i think you either made up arranged yourself or learned no, i can't remember yeah, i got it from somewhere okay I but man I, did, I would never forget that i was sitting on the platform you were playing wonderful grace of jesus and you're just you've touched every key of the 176 keys <laughs> on the the keyboard and i mean you are just going off and the church is like they look like they're witnessing a car accident. I mean, they're just eyes are big, <laughs> and, and they're clapping, and everybody's excited except for her. And then that night, I'll never forget this as long as I live. This is a true story, by the way. Aaron, uh, you had oh, like I forgot a, about this. You remember part. this? Yeah, this yeah, is yeah, great. Yeah. You had a, like a line of people like, "Hey, I want to play this. I want to sing this. I want to do this." And so I remember that night, you were up on the platform running through a piece of music with a woman who had a really nice voice. And she was singing a really powerful, big song. I think it was This Blood, yeah. I think, if I recall. Mm -hmm. And, of course, they haven't had music like that in a long time because they didn't have the ability. Well, I'm sitting in the front row talking to people, and I'll never forget this woman stood up in the middle of your performance, and she had handfuls of tissues, and she just yelps through tears at the top of her lungs, I'll never be that good! <laughs> and she, <laughs> she ran out of the auditorium. And at that point, I had not taken away her playing the keyboard. Mm -hmm. uh, it was a tragedy. But that I said all that to say, the, then the, the then worship director came up to me and said, what are we going to do about that? And I said, we're not going to do anything about that. What we're going to do about that is we're not going to expect that everybody likes everything we do and everything. And if you live paralyzed like that, you're going to struggle. Yeah. If, you're, if, you are, if you have a craving for man's approval... You're gonna have a hard time pastoring. Yeah, so not everybody's gonna like you. No, that's good. Definitely not. That's good. I mean, as great of a guy as I am, I mean, I recognize that. Uh, I'm, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, just in case. Yeah. <laughs> so it's just true. I don't care how nice you are. I don't care how soft you are. I don't care how hard nosed you are. I don't care what your personality is. You could be a guy like Jim Shetler, the mm -hmm. world's nicest human, and it's just not everybody's gonna like you. It doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The second thing you have written down here, this is another ideal that a lot of guys have, younger guys, is that a bigger church is a better church. Mm, new levels, new devils. Mm -hmm. um, every church has problems. A church is not better because of its quantity. A church is better because of its quality. And the things that mark a healthy church, and I would highly recommend you reviewing Nine Marks of a Healthy Church by Mark Dever. I certainly don't agree with Mark Dever on everything. I'm, I'm probably on the opposite side of a, a certain number of things with him, and I think he's there's some areas he's too stringent on, which we've addressed in yeah. the podcast. But, the, I mean, Nine Marks, 
is very strong and it's it's a compelling better metric for what is healthy our church was at its worst when it was at its largest Mm -hmm. our church is not as large right now as it was in 2019 um and yet i think in my mind coming out of a high-powered highly evangelistic um aggressive growth type church model mega church I thought that's just what you want. That's just what you should do. And so along these uh, these six years, I have focused more on church health than church growth through expository preaching, through Christ-centered worship, through grace-based applications of principles in Scripture, um, through um, uh, church discipline and limited church membership and all those things that are central to a healthy church. I do think our church is healthier. I think our church is better. I think, and I think we're far enough removed from when we first started to say that we can see the fruit now. We can. It actually is working. The types of questions that we're getting from people, versus the types of questions we were getting four years ago. Even um, I, I just had a lady message me the other day about, and she was digging deeper into Genesis, and she's trying to figure out was there really historical Adam and Eve, and what are the implications of of him ruining the sin nature if there were other humans around. And I just got the opportunity to explain to her, well, we believe in historical Adam and Eve, and here's the implications for the you know federal headship and um, and all these other things about sin nature, and, and she was just, she was eating it all up. It was great. Yeah, people are, I mean, I would say there's a general hunger for and interest in the Scripture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, to me, is the most thrilling thing. And, I mean, I want more people to be saved. We, we're, seeing, we're baptizing this coming Sunday yep. as we're recording this. I mean, we... I've seen multiple wonderful life transformation things happen, but I think the thing is going deeper and the foundation is getting stronger. And it just leads us into number three yeah. because it just fits. Number three is if you could tell yourself something five years ago, six years ago, it would be pray for slower growth. Yeah, right? pray for slower growth. Uh, I shared this article with our team a long time ago, but and I don't remember who it is. We'll look it up and share it. Um, reasons why you should pray for slower growth. And uh, there were a lot... There, I didn't agree with all of it, of course, but the last one, the last point, why should I pray for slower church growth? And the answer is because I will become a better pastor in time. I was not a great pastor in 2016. I was a rambunctious, bowling ball kind of grab the bull by the horns. Mm -hmm. And in some ways, Aaron, I think we would agree that it's kind of what it needed Mm -hmm. at the time. Yeah, The Brian Sams of 2016 would not be the best Brian Sams in 2022 for the church that exists in 2022. However, I think my aggressive drive for church growth did not did not produce ultimate long-term fruit. When you think of ultimate, I mean, on in, in six months after my first day, we had our first friend day. Mm-hmm. And what, there were like 280 people there? Yeah, there was like 300, I think. Yeah. Almost 300 people yeah. in attendance. And we were like, oh, let's go! 40-some adults professed faith in Christ. Mm-hmm. Every room in our church building was filled with people and children and bus crowd. And, all. and it was just a humongous day. 
We didn't have the people to facilitate it. We didn't have the mechanisms in place to follow up. We didn't have a clear discipleship plan. We didn't have clear classes and means of... We just didn't have it. Mm -hmm. The best we could do was baptize the best we could and preach on. And and yeah, we picked up steam. We picked up momentum. But at the end of the day, you should pray for slower growth because you'll be a better pastor in time, but also because disciples are not Mm mass-produced. And so... I think it's Rainer that, that that suggests that healthy growth might look like about ten percent per year. Okay, so the average, um, not average, the median Baptist church in um the, in, in in the country is seventy. Now, now median is different than average. It's a little higher than right. average because when you bring mega churches, it's right. around, yeah. but the where the where the where the scales tip is seventy. So that's the median tipping point. Half churches are lower than seventy. Half churches are higher than seventy. So you're you're out there and you're in this median age, which great, which is most people. Okay, so um, that means seven people. Mm-hmm. Well, that doesn't sound very exciting to most people. We saw seven people saved and baptized and discipled. In for us, it'd be about twenty five or, or, or right. whatever. Yeah. Okay. Well, that doesn't sound very exciting. <laughs> but I guarantee it's more manageable. Yeah. It's more likely to have. Um, teeth that sink in and stay sunken in. Yeah. And I think that's the deal. So if you're out there and you're a young guy and we're getting ready to launch a new pastor out into a church revitalization up in up in Georgia, I'm hoping he takes this. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping you're not looking to t- change that 40 into 200 in two years mm-hmm. where it's, it's not going to be what you think it's going to be. Yeah. So pray for slower growth. That's good. Next statement is make personal investing a bigger priority than public ministry. Yeah, so public ministry meaning uh, the pulpit is, okay, the pulpit's always a, the ba- a baseline of ministry operation. Mm-hmm. It's If you're a pastor, the pulpit is, is there. But I did not invest intentionally in people in a discipling, mentoring format in the first couple years like I have in the last few years. And the fruit is unbelievable. And even now, it's even more concentrated. I, I remember I was already I already had articulated some of this stuff. But Kurt Kurt Skelly shared a session at a conference I was at recently where he talked about um, essentially your priorities, your what are what are pastoral uh, priorities, the, the focus of a pastor. And I clarified this in my church, but now I'm actually doing it. And that is, I preach the word, I pray for people, and I develop leaders. That's in the core. Those are my core values as a pastor. It's what's making me get up in the morning. It's what I do. As soon as we get done recording this episode, I'm going to go meet two lay elders in training. Uh, And I do this four or five times a week with different groups of people, including you. Mm -hmm. Now, okay, so uh, I didn't do that at the beginning. And not making personal deposits, like you replicating yourself in someone else is a mistake. It doesn't have quick fruit, but it has long-lasting fruit. And I would encourage you, you could pastor the smallest church uh, in, of our listeners. You should take the training of pastors and leaders, not just to send, but to stay. Yeah. So I've trained now six guys that are going out, but I've now trained four or five guys to stay. Mm-hmm. So I would, and, and I was, I, I, I recently taught a doctoral seminar on this subject uh, in part. I wrote my dissertation for my doctorate on it. Um, and one of my students was submitting a project, and he made the case that uh, pastoral training 
it was descriptive, not prescriptive in Acts 13 and in 2 Timothy. And I said, no, that's not, that's not true. It was descriptive in maybe in Acts, but that's because it was definitely prescriptive from Paul. Mm-hmm. His thing, he made the statement in the paper, not all pastors are equipped to train. And I said, oh, no, if you're not equipped to train, you're not a pastor. Mm-hmm. You have to train. It's your job. Ephesians 4, equip. Yep. So so I think you need to have that mindset. A lot of guys I know don't. A lot of guys, that are, they're looking for a curriculum. You don't need a curriculum. You need personal touch with people. So I would definitely have done that more. Yeah, that's good. Next, we have trust more in the Holy Spirit than in my pulpit persuasion. Yeah, so, you know, you, you, I, I would say that I always understood the necessity of the Holy Spirit for preaching, 1 Corinthians 2. I would say that I'm more conscious now than ever that if I'm going to be the regular, plotting, expositional preacher of the Bible with depth and breadth mm-hmm. in my preaching, I have to be more aware of depending on the Holy Spirit for both text selection, individual sermon movement. Like this week as an example, I'm preaching on John 6, the follow-up from the Feeding 5,000. And months ago, I had titled the sermon a certain way, <laughs> even had a graphic made about it. And then when I really started digging in the text and praying and working through it, um, I got led a completely different direction. That's the dependency on the Holy Spirit. I'm not I'm not depending on even my speaking ability. I mean, any pastor has a level of speaking ability because it's part of it's part of um, the call, apt to teach. Mm-hmm. But for me, um, I think that I have worked really hard at preaching, and I try to do it as well as I can. And with my gifting and personality and, and the training, I think that a lot of people have have said to me they think I do it well. And I, I don't feel that way. I hate listening to myself, and I, I, I make 100 mistakes every sermon. But it's very easy if you have a gift or you have some training to think that you can just I'm just going to wing whatever. it. I can yeah. do it. People are going to listen to me, but it's much more than that. Oh, yeah. And you need to be consciously dependent on the Holy Spirit. Yes. Next, be more welcoming to church transfers. Oh, man, I was so bad at this at the beginning. I mean, I I basically see a visitor walk in the door with a suit and stuff on, and I just get mad. (laughs) I mean, I don't know if you remember some of those in the early days. I'd just say stuff like, you're not going to come in here and ruin what we got. (laughs) Stupid. Look, okay, here's what I've learned. Here's what I've learned. God will use certain church transfers to really be a blessing to you. Mm-hmm. Number That's number one. Number two, not everybody right now is in the right church. Mm-hmm. They're just not. For all kinds of reasons. It doesn't have to be bad. And and then number three, if I, f- if I freely receive, I should be willing to freely give. Meaning, and I know we're getting to this in a minute, so I don't want to jump ahead of myself, but... Mm-hmm. When people transfer, when people want to leave my church, I don't try. I don't. I don't. I don't make a big deal out of it. I used. It almost used to feel like betrayal. Yeah. What's wrong with you? Are you kidding me? No. It's just God. God's bigger. God's greater. And so, as I look at transfer members in, I have to view them as a gift from God. Now, 
I will say this. I don't heavily pursue church transfers. Guy walks in the church. Hey, how you doing? You just moved to Jacksonville. No, I've been to Jacksonville 20 years. Oh, I just know. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can tell if he's a guest. I can tell if he doesn't go to church. Yeah. But, you know, somebody walks in, suit and tie, sport coats, yeah. got a Bible with them. Yeah, yeah. I've lived in Jacksonville 20 years. Well, you're coming from another church. Yeah. And I, I had this conversation with one of a guy named Brad, who's a faithful member of our church now. It was a member of a church not too uh, not too far from here. And in in our one of we we had coffee multiple times before he joined. And I said to him in that final coffee about this, I said, Brad, I'm not going to persuade you. I'm not going to push you. Mm-hmm. And then he looked right at me and said, I wish you would. And I said, Well, I mean, now if you are asking me to, fine. But I'm not trying to dislodge you. Yeah. So, but I think it's an attitude issue. I'm not going after people's members, but if God is directing somebody into our fellowship and it's of him and it's good and they're good faithful people, I would be crazy to not welcome that. Now, I will tell you. I hope you won't get too comfortable though in just letting your church exist through church membership transfers. I think that's dangerous. But to just have a negative attitude, I think there's a general negative attitude. You almost see, uh, uh, my church grew by 10% last year. Well, how many, how many were converts? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, look, really, man? Is that really, is that all you can come up with? Is that really the only way? It, it is the only thing, I think this was a mistake I made, the only thing I'm supposed to be doing is reaching people? No. I'm supposed to be discipling people. Mm-hmm. If that means I can disciple somebody else that's coming to me who's already trusted Christ as Savior, why would I reject that? Yeah. Why would I have a problem with that? that that's good. Next statement we have here is perhaps take a little long of a break between ministries. Oh, my. I left Lancaster in May, and I had a full preaching yeah, schedule. that's right. In fact, I preached... Every week, the only week I had open in um, the summer of 2016 was a Sunday in June, which was a Sunday that Harvest basically begged me to come just as a preacher. Now, that was the week I flew in. That's right, yeah. You just filled the pulpit, basically. I filled the pulpit because yeah. I had one Sunday. And I had a camp I was preaching at on Monday, mm-hmm. but I had a one Sunday open, and I came here. I flew here. In fact, I drove, I I left Indiana. I drove through the night to Texas, Longview, Texas. I'll still, I'll never forget this. I I left my kids and my wife in a hotel in Longview, Texas, and I flew (laughs) to Jacksonville and preached here. And then I flew back to Longview, Texas and picked them up and drove to camp in Louisiana. Mm -hmm. Okay. Then the day they called me to candidate, I was already scheduled somewhere. So I canceled that meeting. That guy's never forgiven me for it. Cool. Uh, and in addition to that, I had multiple preaching engagements going into August. You may remember, Aaron, in the early days, I missed a few yeah, you, Sundays. Yeah, you still traveling. Yeah. So I, I really, so I was very busy. Mm-hmm. Point being, I did not take any time off. I went from a very difficult relocation. I was homeless the entire summer. I lived up in a church parsonage. Mm-hmm. For the summer, in and out of preaching meetings, and I hit the ball, ru- hit the ground running in a very challenging ministry here. And what I mean by this is, I would have taken more time off. Yeah, I think if I ever transition ministry again, I would probably take a whole year off of an official title. Mm-hmm. 
I would sell my house. I would schedule some preaching engagements to hold me, and I would not take an official leadership position. And I, a year might be a stretch. That's probably idealistic, but I would take a very significant break because, guys, listen, when you transition, there's a lot of stuff that's going to happen. You're gonna, you're gonna, your your family's going to become unstable. You're, it's going to be hard on your wife, no matter what. Mm-hmm. It's going to be hard on you. And you know, you you probably have not decompressed like you need to decompress, and you're probably not going to be fresh if you don't take a little space there and go visit some family, take a vacation. Mm-hmm. Take a couple months like a sabbatical and set off on a deck somewhere and stare out into the sky and do nothing. Uh, work some puzzles. Just break it down because I, I I never had time to breathe, man. And now I'm, I think I'm feeling some of that now. Yeah. You know, some of the things I've been experiencing in 2021 and now coming into 2022, I'm taking my first extended break in the summer. Mm-hmm. I've not done this still six years later. And um, that would re- require you to be financially set. A lot of guys put themselves in some financial pinches. Uh, it'd be a mistake for you to let finances be the dictator on everything that you do. So if you're living red lines, you need to stop. Uh, this will affect you in retirement too. Mm-hmm. You'll hold your church longer than you need to yep. because you didn't do what's right. I have no intention of being a lead pastor past 55 or 60. None. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and I just think we make mistakes. We don't give ourselves the space that we need, and so I would have. De- I probably would have taken. I probably wouldn't. I probably shouldn't have started pastoring until about um, January of 2017. The problem was I was under a little pressure with my kids in school, and there was just some a lot yeah, of issues. Yeah. But still, I would go back and find a way to make that different. Hmm. That's good. Next is a big one. Think about the role that your wife will play. Oh, my goodness. I would like to do a whole episode on this. I, I think we should maybe mark that down. Um, mm-hmm. I've been trying to get Angie to take the microphone. <laughs> I just don't think it's going to happen. She just doesn't really have any interest in helping you guys out there. So you can send her You can send her a note. You can try to uh, encourage her. Angie is a lot of fun. Angela has a lot of insight. She would be a great episode guest. Uh, but she just doesn't. She doesn't care, and she's just not as into it as I am. Hmm. Uh, okay, in a church revitalization, everybody rolls up their sleeves, uh, and Angie was involved in everything—music, children, renovations. We were there day and night. I mean, and then I mean, then it spills over into the new building, you know. And I would encourage you guys, including myself, to have the position I now have. The position I now have is that my wife is first and foremost my wife and the mother of my children and the keeper of my home as opposed to like my ministry partner. And it may sound like semantics, but I don't think it really is. I think um, now if she has a, a job that's between you and the Lord and how you do your family, my wife has only had rare moments in our 20 years this year of marriage um, where she's actually been an employee. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think I can count like maybe one year total of 20 years has she been an employee, and, and including the time here at River City where she 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 volunteered 30 or 40 hours a week for five years. Um, 
with one little minor stint of employment that she was one of the first ones to lose her employment in 2019 when we had our major problem. I would just redo it, man. I would just, I would just let her, I would encourage her to volunteer when needed and it, within her skill sets and gifts and not, not like assume that she's carrying the burden of so much of what happened here. Uh, it's challenged. What I just said isn't easy, but I think um, rethinking that is something I would have definitely told myself. Yeah. That's a lot for another episode. Yeah. Yes. That's good. Um, the next thing that you have here is if you're not sure on certain things, don't make the church sure about it. Yeah. You know, of course I came out of a very independent fundamental Baptist background and, you know, in order, there were already things I was struggling with, um, things that, that I've of course changed my mind doing. I'm not afraid to say that. I mean, people have you changed? Well, of course I've changed. Yeah. And I know, I mean, it's not, it's not, that's not news to everybody, but I had a long process of working through certain things. I'm talking about church government. I'm talking about the role of lead pastor, lay elders, deacons. I'm talking about of course, Bible translations. I'm talking about outreach philosophy, um, discipleship, standards, any, anything, mm-hmm. anything. And if you are getting ready to take a church, let's say you're independent Baptist, let's just use that as an example, and you're getting ready to take an independent Baptist church and you're coming in and you're not sure about all those said things I just talked about, my suggestion is don't talk about them. Mm-hmm. Don't, don't mention them. By your lack of emphasis, it can go away. Now, if you're really trapped because you're in an independent Baptist church and the, the, the leadership and the people are expecting you to put the exclamation points where they put the exclamation points, you might want to consider not going. Mm-hmm. But if you're going to be in a church like mine where there was going to be some transition, then you should go in softer on certain things knowing that probably there's going to be some transition. And if you emphasize it up front... Somebody's going to latch on to you for that reason. That's the wrong reason, mm-hmm. you know. And that's when things will really fall apart for you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So you got to be careful on the front end. Preach Jesus, man. Yeah, Look, good gravy. <laughs> Lift Jesus up. And if you do that, then some of these things aren't going to matter. Mm-hmm. And I think, um, you know, you'll lose people. I remember I remember one family, that they're, they're gone now, of course. They, they moved. Um which was a blessing, actually, <laughs> because if they hadn't moved, it'd probably been more of a war. But I remember the the wife and said to me, "You, this is exactly what she said. All you do is preach Jesus, and I'm not sure what to do with it." That was a quote. And, yeah. and wow. yes, what she meant was, "You're not telling us how to dress, how to talk, how to da 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 da." da. No, exactly. I'm teaching you Jesus, and He is the one who will, through the Spirit and the Word, mm-hmm. teach you those things, if they're even relevant. Uh, she just can handle it. And um, But unfortunately, in the early days, and I, know, I don't ever remember talking about dress, and, but I'm sure I probably said a couple things about translations along the way, strong Baptist belief, strong soul winning, mm-hmm. just that, that kind of that model yeah. that I probably would have just been better off just to just back off on. Mm-hmm. That's good. All right, last one. And it's it's a good one too. Don't believe the lie that the shepherd is supposed to go after the sheep 
or church members that are planning to leave. Yeah, guys, yeah. look, dude, come on, people. The shepherd going after lost sheep is about lost people, mm-hmm. unsaved people. Yes, we are supposed to go after unsaved people. But I've even heard guys share with me stories of uh, leaders in their church telling them it is their responsibility to go after members who are choosing to leave. That is not mm-hmm. what the going after lost sheep metaphor is about. I have just come to this conclusion. We are in a really different age where most people are going to leave your church and they're never going to tell you. I could tell you story after story after story after story after story after story of people that ghosted me, and I, to this day, cannot tell you what happened. I mean, like right now, there's a handful of people, and I'm like, what happened? Thanks for telling me. The guys that I mentored, poured my life into, gave opportunities, and just boom, gone. Mm-hmm. And... And what am I supposed to do? Chase them? You left. Yeah. You decided that you were going to leave. Do you really think I'm going to change your mind? If you didn't have the courage or the concern to sit down and talk out maybe something that you're struggling with, then why am I going to, on the back end, try to drag you with a chain back into the fold? You're out of the fold. Yeah. You're gone, you were gone before that. Pastors waste a lot of time doing that. If people are going to leave, they're going to leave. Ain't nothing you can do about it. Best thing to do, love Jesus, love who's there on Sunday. People come into your life for a reason, for a season, for a lifetime. There's no way to avoid that. It's friendships, Mm -hmm. work relationships, college relationships, high school relationships, for a reason, for a season, or for a lifetime. I have to just embrace the race, man. I just have to know it. Mm -hmm. I just have to live in the now. This is the thing, man. One of the things God's been just hitting me about this year I just sometimes miss the now. Who cares? Who cares who left? That was yesterday. Mm-hmm. Who's going to leave tomorrow? I don't know. Who's going to come tomorrow? Who's here right now? Mm-hmm. And what am I supposed to do? Preach the Bible. Pray for those who are here right now, trusting God with the results, not being all tore up. And young pastor, I'm going to tell you right now, you're going to take it personal. You're going to get upset about it. You're going to lose sleep over it. And I'm trying to tell you right now, don't. Yeah. Because it's going to happen. That's good. Dear younger me. There it is, Chan. Oh, you're still young. You're still young. I don't know, Chan. I'm, I'm, I, don't, <laughs> I don't think so. I mean, I was talking about a member of our church this morning with Angie and uh, uh, for a couple of reasons, certain things we were talking about. And, and I said, you know, what's frightening is he's about 10 years older than me, and that makes me feel really old. <laughs> so, uh, I, you know, I'm not really in the young category anymore. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm middle, straight middle age, man. I mean, I am middle age right now. Hey, well. As the old King James says, the, hey. uh, the hoary head. Uh, right. Oh, yeah. I've got and yeah, yeah. the hoary chin, yeah, yeah, yeah. really, is what's going on. Well, guys, thanks for joining us today. I hope this episode was helpful. Give us some feedback uh, at uh, briansams.com or reach out to us at the, uh, the, the, uh, the uh, email addresses, phone numbers we provided for you. God bless you guys. Have a great rest of your week. Mm-hmm.